Yo, what is up, Vol? It is uh, one half of your Vol's ATB crew. Alex is not here with us this week. We're going to be uh, joined by Lowe shortly. But, you know, we got a jam-packed episode this week. First off, Drew, my man, how are you doing? How's everything going on in life? Just living the dream, baby. Still riding high off of that uh, thriller that we had last weekend. 15th ranked Vols now. and got a huge game next Saturday. No disrespect to Akron, of course. I barely <laughs> considered the Saturday an actual game, but... Huge game next weekend. I think this is a good start for both of us, but we'll definitely uh, dive into that a little bit more uh, later on the show. Yeah, man. I obviously, you know, a huge week two. Vol is AP. You know, the rankings going into that. 15 after a huge, huge win. Um, a lot of noise around college football. Kind of crazy what's kind of been going on. Um, you know, Tennessee obviously this week has, you know, some cleaning up to do. Has an easy game against Akron that we're kind of all, you know, looking past with all the news that's been coming out lately. But I guess I don't know. You know, before we dive into the you know the the pit recap, uh, Drew, week two of college football, absolutely wild. First off, with that Fox game, you had a uh, Alabama and Texas, where you saw Quinn Ewers, you know, come and go, sadly. And then you know later that night, you had Kentucky and uh, going to Florida and beat Florida in the swamp. Your thoughts on those two games and the whole kind of massacre around college football? Yeah, no, I mean it was it was absolutely bonkers. I mean, not even with the SEC games, but obviously a lot of those out conference games as well that I'll mention briefly. But uh. You know, I think I think a lot of people really underestimated Texas. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that Texas is back by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, man, it seemed disrespectful though for them to be 20 point underdogs at home. You know, even as good as still a lot of us think that uh, Alabama is, mm-hmm. you know, I was just really surprised at like you know just how I mean their their wide receivers were essentially just not effective at all. You know, and it w- if it wasn't for Bryce Young being the best quarterback in America. I don't think Alabama wins that game. Um, as far as Florida, I mean, they are who we thought they were, if we're going to be real. We always – I mean, we kind of knew, the, like, the Utah game was a little bit of a fluke. I think a lot of us hit the pan button after that game. But if you force Anthony Richardson, you know, out of the pocket and make him make a play with his with his arm, not his feet, he, won't, he will not win you the football game. And I think after watching last Saturday, it has me much more confident about – facing them next Saturday, you know, in Neyland. Check or Neyland, hopefully. Who knows? I know a lot of the Reds are not thrilled about that, but they can get over themselves. Oh, man, yeah. But, you know, I mean, the crazy thing about it is, like, Kentucky's beaten them three of the last five years for Florida. So, like, it's, you know, it's kind of wild. That, like, you know, actually a really impressive job that, you know, Stoops has done over there. And it's a bit of a setback. I mean, and, you know, it doesn't really surprise me. I mean, this game for them next Saturday against us is going to be huge for them in the sense that if they start off the season two and two, yeah. man, that fan base is going to be riled up and pissed. And oh, man. Up. You know, wild weekend of college football, you know, A&M losing to Appalachian State. State. Oh, my God. I think this should be a lesson for any big-time program to never schedule Appalachian State to come play at your stadium because they are guaranteed, guaranteed ass. give you either whip your ass or give you a heart attack like they did to us back in 2016. So, I mean, not to mention Georgia Southern beat Nebraska, Scott Frost canned already two oh three games God. in, already lost his job. And then you're talking about Notre Dame losing by double, essentially by double digits to home to Marshall. So, oh just a God. wild weekend of college football. I think it proves once again why this is the best sport in the world. And luckily, luckily we got the better end of the wildness of it. So it's so crazy when like I'm so in conference and then you mentioned, you know, what happened with Boone and App State 
And then also Marshall, you know, the fighting herd, putting a spoiler on Marcus Freeman, who before that game was like, I'm going to go out here and win my first game as a Notre Dame head coach just to lose. I thought that was pretty wild. Kind of pivoting back to the Texas-Alabama part, um, crazy, crazy game. The point you mentioned with Bama's receivers, I think this is like the first real year that I've seen in a while where they're like receivers don't have that breakaway speed or aren't running downfield and breaking away from players. Um, you know, obviously, Texas has a lot more talent on their roster than people kind of realize. But, you know, to see like a year or two Sarkeesian team go in there against Bama when I thought they kind of would just be like over when Bama walked into that stadium. That was crazy to see, not to mention all the missed calls. And then, you know, Bryce Young, yeah, he had that Heisman candidate breakout. But also that, you know, came from, you know, Texas missed tackles or, you know, penalties, offensive holding that, you know, were just missed. And then, you know, Bama to do the little horns down, especially Henry T., and, you know, Nick to kind of get in their ass, be like, don't do that. You know, they almost beat your ass. Like, I thought that was all wild in itself, you know. It's just – it's really bizarre for them to, like, do the whole entire horns down thing when they were 20-point favorites. And, like, a lot of people think this wouldn't even be remotely of a close game in the first place. Yeah, so I did not. Really strange flex. Don't really understand it. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, it is Alabama we're talking about. So, I guess and somehow in their mind it makes complete sense. But – yeah, you know, this is weird. It's like, it's this team's, this Alabama team is weird in the sense, like, it kind of feels like for the first time, at least as a Tennessee fan, that, like, we could actually beat them at home, you know? Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, like, we have a list of things that we got to fix on, which we'll, oh, yeah. I'll, bring, I'll yeah. go dive into that, uh, you know, soon, hopefully, when Lowe gets in here, of course. Um, but, it's you know it's kind of feels like almost the tape like the tides are turning in the sense of that Alabama's no longer going to be that dominant just ridiculous regular season team. It feels like it's more shifting towards Georgia than anything else. As much as yeah. I hate to say it, but it's disgusting. Oh, I hate it, but you know, the market humans. I think I think Alabama loses a game this year. I think they lose one. You know, I you know I I still really believe kind of like what um you know kind of like what Josh Pate said in the sense that either Arkansas or us, you know, I really do believe that. I mean, if we play our A game, I think we have a great shot against them, but man, what a sport, what a weekend. And, you know, I'm sure this weekend won't be that great. Not a lot of great matchups, but when you talk about next weekend with, you know, Tennessee, Florida and a couple others as well, it's uh, man conference play just around the corner. It's exciting. I I guess I want to talk about that, that uh, Florida Kentucky game. I did not expect, you know, with the news coming out, you know, Chris Rodriguez out, uh, Ramon Jefferson, you know, tore his ACL. All Kentucky had in the back of the field, you know, was smoked Tisdale. Uh, wide receivers, two true freshmen and Dane Key and, you know, Barry and Brown out there. I thought it was kind of wild. You know, obviously it wasn't a lot that Kentucky got done on, you know, offense. But when they did, like, that huge deep ball to Dane Key early, that was a huge difference. And then, um, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, AR, whenever he was forced to throw, I don't know how he didn't see that corner on the right side, the old Miss transfer for Kentucky, you know, making an easy play for six. Um, you know, I don't think that Anthony Richardson, you know, wants to run the football either. I think, you know, like if you've seen him, like he doesn't run the football unless he has to kind of like that contact thing. But whenever he does like force to throw and throw to a side that he's not comfortable to, I just think that when it comes down, you know, being in Neyland, like you said, it was announced today, the game's officially sold out. Checker Neyland's in the air. Um, Billy Napier's first road game as a head coach, and it's in Checkered Neyland with a full recruiting weekend on the way with Tennessee trying to get dialed in this week against Akron. That's already also on the verge of selling out. So you have all these fans, you know, all we said all this time was put a product on the field, go out there and win a big game. And these fans are going to show up. You saw it week two. And now all this news is coming out. It's just kind of wild to break down. Um, I think 
that game and this year. I know we've kind of, you know, built the game up on this show for weeks and weeks and weeks, but it's starting to build even more. And man, I just, I can't wait for that place to erupt um, college football as a whole. You know, we didn't really know what we were coming into this year, year two. Obviously, we knew we wanted to make improvements, mm-hmm. but I don't think we had any idea of the whole landscape of college football and where everyone else would kind of be at. Because, you know, later on tonight, we're going to have SEC Mike on the show. They're kind of diving everything with him, going deep into the SEC part of things. Um, you know, teams like, you know, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Alabama, Georgia, kind of being the names to thrive right now. It's just weird to see, man, like kind of, kind of weird. Um we forgot to even mention, you know, Missouri going out there getting blown out by Kansas State. You know, Adrian Martinez went out there and beat an SEC team. You know, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he was still having that bad blood and like feelings over, you know, the whole his whole entire Tennessee recruitment. But uh, man, Missouri's terrible, dude. Like, you know, I would, you know, I would actually argue in a sense that Missouri might be the worst team in the SEC right now. Like, I think Vanderbilt, I think Vanderbilt beats them this year. I really did. Like, you know, I did too. I mean, you know, you know, Vanderbilt lost by twenty points to Wake Forest, but man, I mean, I, you know, I think they said without the last second touchdown that Missouri had to put it up to twelve points, they only had five points the entire game. Which I'm not sure how the hell you score five points, but yeah, it, it was disgusting. I remember I was I, trying to get back off. and forth from the Bama game, and you know, it was great to see you know Bama struggle like that. But then when it came down to us, you know, I thought we were just going to cruise by and we kind of saw that it was the same kind of bitter taste in our mouth for the full game until overtime. But now I guess we want to wake, uh, welcome in the late arriving, Miss Lowe. Thank you for Hello. joining us. Howdy. How's How are everybody you doing? doing? Living the what dream, the- kind of breaking what- down this wild week two of college football, you know, Kentucky and Florida, Alabama and Texas. We haven't got into Tennessee pit yet, but just kind of breaking things down. It's been a wild week two. Oh, it certainly has. I I was, you know, what is it? A Tennessee fan is over here that hates Alabama so much they'd rather lose their chance at $750 on a parlay and see Alabama lose to Texas than win $750. That was me on Saturday. The group chat was bumping. I remember we were all hyped, like, oh, my God, is Texas back? Like, we had no idea. It was just crazy to see. And then comes down to the end. Um the horn guy, I forgot his first name, or HUD, whatever, for <laughs> Texas backup. He just couldn't get it done. I felt so bad for the kid because he was going out there limping, just couldn't get the job done. But that defense, man, I think Texas has a legit shot in the Big 12. So, oh, I, mean- I agree. But I did want to say, I mean, you can't – a couple of those calls were just out of control at the end of the game. That's what me and Drew were talking about, the, the holding on that breakaway by Bryce Young to get that 30-yard run. Um, down in the red zone, you know, a lot of missed calls like that. The targeting, like the, call. the targeting call was like the biggest cross I mean, I've ever seen in my life. I mean, like, we saw what was, he did to Hinton Hooker. It was, I mean, you know, it's kind of like what CG said. Like, when you're facing Alabama, you're facing 11 guys out there and then plus all the guys in zebras. So, Amen. like, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, it doesn't surprise me if Bama came away with a win. But, like, like I said earlier, though, Bama is actually a winnable game for us this year, which we probably haven't been able to say probably in at least 15 years. So, Well, if you look at how we played Bama last year and took it to the fourth quarter, and then you look at how atrocious they played against Texas, I would say that's one of the more winnable games if they're going to play like that. Now, do I think they're going to play like that? No, I'm sure they've been throwing up and dying on the sidelines all week, if I had any guess, because a win like that is basically a loss in Nick Saban's eyes. (laughs) Oh yeah, no. I mean, if you're if you're twenty point favorites and you had to you know get a last second field goal to beat a 
was it a six a five seven Texas team last year that lost to Kansas yeah. at home? Yeah, you're you're fair to curious on that one. You're not happy about that dub. I mean, yeah, I, even him chewing out his players as they were walking off the field or as he went to go, you know, shake hands with Sarkeesian, even when they walked out the tunnel, they were still doing it. I don't know what it was of why Bama felt the need to do that, but honestly, me personally, if I was a 20-point favorite, like say like a team like Akron came in and surprised us while we're favored by 50 points, I would just, you know, respectfully, I wouldn't be down for all that. But it's just kind of crazy to see. Knowing how Saban has built that program and like how he is as a coach, I know he's not going to let that slide this upcoming week or anything like that so no not a chance at all um yeah I guess I mean I kind of figured I my prediction was that Kentucky would beat Florida I think y'all already touched on that too but um they've been playing Florida really well lately I don't know what it is um but that didn't shock me I thought both teams played better though against each other than Bama played against Texas and I was just like, what the hell is going on right now? Yeah. It's like I was telling Brando, uh, Kentucky's actually won three of the last five games against Florida, which is like mind boggling because three years ago, like they hadn't beaten Florida, I believe, since like 1980. So just like absolutely crazy, a wild term events that, you know, that series has gone between them. But, you know, you love to see it. So, I mean, Florida's beatable. Coal miners are beating, you know, <laughs> beating Florida. It's crazy, though. Great. I, th- I think that that streak itself, though, is kind of crazy because it's not like Kentucky has had more talent than Florida either. Like, they're just not scared to go out there and play in Florida or to let Florida come in there. And, like, you saw how they get wild. I think they get even more wild for Florida now than they do kind of us. And even, like, Florida fans I've seen on social media are kind of bowing down and saying that, like, we can't beat Mark Stoops. And that's just crazy as a Tennessee fan knowing that, like, Mark Stoops can't beat us. And there's, like, Florida fans kind of bowing out. So, yeah, I feel really confident about both games this season, even, you know, a lot of more toss-up games. But – it was kind of great to see both teams go out there and put their all and then like still barely one team come away. It just kind of lets me know where both of those teams kind of are at right now. So, Absolutely. Well, y'all want to dive into pit? Absolute madness. <laughs> so, I mean, at, like you said, our group chat was just completely out of control. I was losing my mind the entire time. My heart rate was through the roof. I got that freaking warning on my walk. <laughs> During halftime, it's like, you're sitting down. Calm down, bitch. Um, But I was honestly, my thorough recap of the game, this makes me, I kind of took a break for a second because I initially thought Hendon Hooker looked really crappy. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't like how he was performing. And then when I went and looked back at everything he did, it's like, how could you be mad about that? Um, he was SEC Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, I really liked, too, he rushed in in the first overtime for that touchdown, gets called back, and then sits in the pocket for, like, the extra two seconds to make that throw for the touchdown pass right after they just got one taken away. Um, like, showed his poise in the pocket. Um, 27 to 42, 325 passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and 27 rushing yards. So I think that his award was well-deserved, but it, initially I was just kind of like, uh, I'm not sure about this, but you got to give him props for that performance and sticking it out all the way through overtime to get the job done. Oh, yeah. I mean, I saw a graphic after the game, and if you would have told me that Hendon's QBR would have been better week two against Pitt than it was week one against Ball State, where he had two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns, I would just call you flat-out crazy. 
Um, obviously, the first drive, you know, the pressure, Pitt's D-line, I give him credit, they're an amazing D-line, but, you know, Hinton didn't even have a chance, really, the first few drives. They were getting back there like crazy. Um, the third down, missing Jalen Hyatt across the field, though, it could have been an obvious, you know, 70-yard, maybe 80-yard touchdown with Hyatt breaks away with his speed. Um, you know, the balls to SETI that, you know, were partially SETI's fault, Cedric Tillman's fault, but, you know, it could have gone either way with placement, uh, just kind of hitting him off the hands or off the face mask, uh, you know. A lot of good moments, though, too. He kind of settled in, you know, that second quarter, the third down to Brew McCoy, where Brew McCoy kind of fought, you know, seven yards to get that first down. Then him coming in balance, getting his first touchdown. I thought that deep ball might have been Cedric's best ball since being at Tennessee, just of how it sailed into the end zone. That was super beautiful. Kind of looked like a Joe Milton deep ball. Maybe, you know, it took the bad, but also took the good away. Then we kind of saw, I know all the Twitter was like, uh, who's in a quarterback right now in the first quarter? And then he kind of, you know, lit up and lit on fire. In the second half, I thought our offense, you know, it didn't show anything at all. Um, we couldn't get the run game going at all. We were held under 100 rushing yards for, like, I don't know since how long under Heifel. It might be the first time under Heifel that I think we were held under 100 rushing yards. We could check. But, you know, you saw them kind of doing that screen pass to Jalen Hyde a lot. Career high in receptions at 11 there to kind of mitigate the run game. thought that was a smart way to get involved, to keep the ball still going down the field. But, man, I want to give a shout-out to our defense because it's just crazy about how they showed up. In the first half, it was like, oh, my gosh, this Tim Banks defense is facing. And then in the second half, it was absolutely lights out. I just thought the pressure in the second quarter and third quarter, you know, getting the Slovis, getting him out the game, knocking Patty up, you know, Tyler Barron and Byron Young finally got back there. But, man, we got to give a shout-out to Aaron Beasley, Trayvon Flowers, and uh, Wesley Walker on that fourth down stopped that huge sack on fourth and 13. Huge, huge moments in the game. Um, pivotal, the defense, you know, when our offense literally could do nothing – you know, no points in the whole, like, almost second half. Like, it was just crazy to see that defense wake up and show up. And then after the game with the SEC Now thing, the NC the insider thing came out with Heupel and uh, Tim Banks in that locker room, kind of lighting the fire under the team after we came back and went up at halftime saying, you know, do what you're going to do, do what you're taught, and we're going to win this game and celebrate. That had me fired up, man, because, like, you're seeing it firsthand that, like, the in-game adjustments you saw on the field, but then seeing how they did it, like, we have a staff that wants to go out there and win football games. And even though it wasn't pretty, it was atrocious. They got the job done. And you went in the pit and beat the number 17 team in the country. And that showed. So super proud of the boys. A win's a win. And couldn't have been better. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not going to lie. In that first half, I was ready to get my pitchfork and head to Highway Walmart to, you know, ask for Tim Banks. But, you know, I mean, that was an unbelievable second half performance from them, from the defense. You know, to have 16 quarterbacks and four sacks, I believe it was nine tackles for losses as well. And it just speaks volumes and like the drastic difference that we saw from week one. So, which I think a lot of us started to really believe that they were just showing the vanilla plays possible on defense. But, you know, I mean, I know Hendon Hooker was the offensive player of the week and everything, but guys, like, let's be real. Like, he had so many overthrown balls in that first half. I mean, that overthrown ball, he had a Cedric Tillman in the first half. I literally thought for a second that Joe Milton was our quarterback. I was like, oh, my God, this is literally just like last year. Like, we're literally going to lose this game because Joe Milton's going to come in and he's going to light it up. But Hooker was able to get together. But, you know, only 90 yards of total offense in the second half and only three points total. So I think the frustrating thing is, is like, it wasn't necessarily that Hooker played awful. I mean, he clearly didn't because he threw over 300 yards. But – this was a game that he could have easily thrown over 400 yards and wound up getting at least four touchdowns as well. And so this was probably one of the worst offensive performances that's been under the Hypel era, but that still 
speaks volumes. Considering we scored 34 points and we won a game on the road. So, big win. First time we beat, you know, an out-conference top 20 opponent since Miami in 03. You know, um, I mean, I think and they covered the spread as well. But this was definitely a game that we did not play or certainly played our best on offense and a game that we could have certainly won by at least three touchdowns. And let's be real, guys. Keaton Slow was thinking injured in that first half. I don't think we win that game. Really? I, I think we I think we win bigger if we if we hurt him. Dude, Keaton Slopes had 195 yards and two touchdowns with five minutes. True. Left. He was dead on the field. Yes. We had yes. that man. He yes. was the dead man walking concussed. If if he does I go back to they win that game. We weren't stopping. I have to go back to a point that Drew made about how this was probably our worst offensive uh, performance in the Hypel era, and we still won this massive freaking game on the road so for me as like gut-wrenching and horrified as I was literally the entire game even after the game because I'm like wait did that shit really just happen um what does that tell us that tells us a lot that tells us that our team is final the curse is finally broken they aren't just going to lose in overtime and ruin these horrendous losses they found a way to win and it wasn't even offense it was freaking defense and it wasn't special teams either because they sucked ass so our defense decided to step it up and just imagine what we're going to be like if we can get all units flowing together i mean that's why i think this team can and can be very dangerous and is pretty dangerous if they can get all the pieces in the machine working properly oh yeah yeah I agree with that, but the first thing they can improve on is our damn secondary. They are wrapped. I'm not going to, you know, specifically call anyone out for it. We don't, we don't do that shit at this show. I would never do anything like that in a million years because I hold myself to to a higher standard. Okay, but there was a particular individual where the ball was thrown to them ten times, and seven of those ten passes were completions, including one that eventually tied the game. Uh, near the end of the fourth quarter and brought into overtime. So, not going to the sense. one man that we don't speak of, but the same man that we don't speak of. Exactly. exactly. Okay. Praise him. Talk about how much progress he's made, guys. I mean, the, it, it can't be any worse. I mean, we got to get someone else out there playing the corner. My God. <laughs> I mean, I'll just point out, man. People to watch. He got his. He got his ankles broke in the second quarter in that freaking run. I, I, mean, I saw that. That was pretty disgusting. It was on the sky cam too. The bears on the sky cam. He got. Drops. It was it was pretty bad. It was I mean, I, I, yeah, he made he made their third string running back look like fucking Tony Dorsett. Like I like just so ridiculous. I want to yeah. First off, now that you mentioned the running back thing, um, you know, obviously that running back not playing for Pitt that was huge. I you know didn't kind of get broken out by official media, but I you know quote tweeted that on our page about how that Hammond guy wasn't going to play. Came out that he wasn't with the team. kind of dismissed from the team. It sounds like so. That's a huge loss for Pitt. Kind of helped us in the run game, even though that running back, you know, we didn't give up a lot of big plays, but the one big play we did give up running was for 76 yards and a touchdown. That was pretty bad. Um, to flip to the offensive side of the ball, I think, you know, we kind of had it coming. You know, I didn't really expect a super high, you know, scoring offense, but I didn't expect us to get stopped that much. Uh, we mentioned last week on the show, you know, Pitt versus Tennessee and Arduzzi versus Heifel's offense every single time. He's defended it better. That showed this Saturday, but, man, our defense really did win that game um, because Narduzzi has it probably down to a science now, just seeing how that D-line attacked up the middle. Didn't give any chance for a run run game. Um, tried to attack him on the outside, but we saw all the you know, deep throws that were missed balls. So 
took a while to get going, but we, you know, we made a game plan, got enough points. Obviously, that touchdown, Cedric Tillman, you know, big bodying that 5'10 guy in the end, which we said on the show wouldn't matter because just that size of, you know, going up against Cedric Tillman, that guy didn't stand a chance. And to get that one-on-one, that was, you know, just beauty to see him catch that ball. Um, obviously, defense was just great. You know, won the game. Could be better, but, man, like, it could be a lot worse. And I think this week, you know, just have to, you know, go out there, you know, get Hinden ready for Florida, but also, you know, definitely have to work on that run game, man, because under 100 yards, like, you got to get Jalen Wright and Jabari Small moving this week. So, all in all, though, just a win is a win, man. And we're not used to winning these, like, away games or close games, and it's just, you know, yeah. nice to see that W, so. And, I mean, and that's the thing as well. I mean, like, we want, a, we want a top 20 on the road game, which we haven't done in nearly 20 years. So, like, there's no no need to take away from that. It's still a huge win. I think it's it's easily the best win in Heupel's career so far. I think we're going to get to see better ones this year, personally. But Two weeks. Man, <laughs> I mean, hopefully, hopefully. But um, we just got so much stuff to improve on, though. And my God, that secondary is so bad. It was really, really bad. But my biggest um, message to anyone, and I guess, Drew, this is you included because you said it a few minutes ago. Why? Let's fucking stop being like, well, we only won because of this. Or if this would have happened, we wouldn't have done this. None of that shit happened. What happened? We won the game. On the road. Period. Period. What else happened? Or what could have, what it should have. We won. We found a way to win. Fuck it. We're 2-0. Move forward. It's so toxic. Uh, I'm going to log on to Twitter and see this shit. Uh, it's not being toxic. Like, but I'm not going to like, I'm not going to be like one of those damn believers on Facebook and be like, you should be. Team America. Like, no, like there's a lot <laughs> to criticize about this football team. It's great that we're 2 up. It's awesome that we're a top 15 team. We haven't been that in a long time, but there's a lot of things we got to improve on from being, oh. from being a good and to and being a championship team, We're I don't agree with that. I but, think I what think, bothers me is it's like, well, if this would have happened, or if this would have happened, or if this player wouldn't have went out, fuck it. That's the that's the way football works. Players get hurt. People go. Keon Slovis. The thing about Drew's argument though is Keon Slovis in itself, he wasn't doing that great. Like he made a couple of good passes. You're right. You're right. But right. Our, the guy, the guy was only paid to throw for fucking three hundred and ninety yards against us before he was taken out in the second quarter. He threw he for getting yards in two quarters. Room. He threw two hundred yards in two quarters. We couldn't stop him. He was and getting we, smoked. He's still smoking our ass. I mean, like fucking, they're fucking like freaking hurdled over damn Trayvon Flowers. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, but that's oh. not that's not on that's not on because of Keaton Slovis. So respectfully, shout out to my boy Trey because you know oh. not only did Trey rebound from that, Trey Trey got ran over on a kickoff return, then got hurdled on for a, a Sports Center top ten play, but ended up making the interception in the end zone, and then in overtime, you know, gets the third down sack, which put you know Pitt in that fourth and long situation. So. To see, you know, Trey kind of make those mistakes in the backfield, but, you know, also be, the, I think, the main leader, in my opinion, in our defensive backfield this past week. They kind of got the job done. I just thought that was, you know, huge on his part. But we do have a lot to work on. Um, obviously, it's still crazy to me that Aaron Beasley's our best linebacker. You know, I want to see more out of Jeremy Banks, you know, not just tipping a ball and getting his hands on it, but, you know, coming down with it, and, you know, changing the game and, you know, using his body. You know, he's a freak athlete, and, you know, I just need to see him make those moments. Uh, obviously, this week it sounds like, We'll have Jawan Mitchell back. So, you know, that locker room, that linebacker room, 
it's going to be, you know, kind of hacked going into the next few weeks. But I want to see how that goes. And then obviously you mentioned, even though we're playing the more experienced guys in the DB rooms, I want to see guys like, you know, you know, Brandon Turner's give more shots or, you know, Christian Charles, who didn't really get opportunities on the field. It wasn't just offense where, you know, we kept it tight with only three wide receivers, even on defense, our defensive back, you know, we didn't really see a whole lot of guys. I don't know if that's because of the game plan and the game script of how close the game was, but it was kind of surprising to me to see, you know, guys like Brandon Turnage and Christian Charles that were kind of hyped up this offseason, you know, not really get involved and to see, you know, Kamal Haddon and, you know, Wesley Walker and guys like that out there. But all in all, man, whatever they did, like Lowe said, it's a win, man, a huge win. We're not used to winning like that. And but it's constructive criticism, okay? I, I agree, though. I think it's good that we're at a point in a program that, you know, we can win a game in overtime and then go back and look at it like, hey, this isn't going to slide, you know, down the line. But, wow, like college football is so wild right now that we actually have a chance. Like, it's good that we can point out the bad, but also say that, like, wow, Tennessee, you know, we thought it was a huge rebuild. But, like, this year is looking kind of – I don't want to look too far into this season, but, like, the two first games, like the trajectory of where we're going right now, just it's kind of promising. Just to, just to sum up this argument, okay, so – uh, this is my biggest thing. Yes, we have so much to improve on, but let's not take away from this. The top 25 teams that did not cover the spread last week, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Miami, and Wisconsin. Of those listed, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, and Wisconsin also lost when their spread was 15-plus points. So for us to cover our spread – away against a top 20 football team is something that we all need to be pleased with while also accepting the fact that we have stuff to work on. We can do both things. I'm tired of people not just being like, ah, oh, that was a shitty pit team. No, it wasn't. Look at what the hell happened last week. Yeah. Probably Period. one of the best, you know, one of the best defensive lines we'll see all season. Obviously Narduzzi has Hypo's number uh, we talked about how bad the offense was but i think going forward that you know obviously this week is going to be a huge win like if we don't win by 50 i'm going to be kind of upset looks great on the you know the card you know acting without their starting qb defense just got smoked by michigan state coming from that environment to come play in neyland you know it sounds like it's going to be sold out too with danny white's tweet so if that's true and it's going to be rocking like nothing like akron really ever seen before and just to get the run offense going and everything else would be a huge huge opening week but Obviously, huge, um, huge W, and all around just kind of looks promising. But absolutely. Um, so tonight, are we about to add our guest? Yeah. Okay. So about to join us is Michael Bratton, otherwise known via Twitter as at SEC Mike. He is the host of the number one SEC podcast on both Apple and Spotify. You can find that and follow that at that SEC podcast. Mike, such an honor to have you on here. I'm so freaking stoked. How are you? Hey, doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, I just wanted to go ahead and get started. We all kind of want to know about your thoughts on the Vols win on the road against Pitt and what the Vols need to adjust moving forward into their most challenging stretch of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think the most impressive thing was the defense because all offseason we just heard how they're going to suck and Tennessee's defense is going to hold them back from contending in the SEC. But I can't remember the last time Tennessee's defense won them a ball game, and that's what 
really happen. I mean, we all know how good Hendon Hooker is in Josh Heupel's system. Uh, you know, arguably the best offense in the SEC. They have that potential. They didn't show it against Pitt, but it didn't matter. Uh, I mean, they, they almost gave that game away with fumbles and muff punts, but it was the defense that answered the toll. It was the defense that right before halftime, there was the, the strip sack, and that led to three points, and that was just huge in that overtime game. And, you know, it, it kind of – I say this all the time because for people that don't know, I'm a Tennessee graduate, so I, I live with it too. Um, you know, it, it always feels like it's a new era. It, it really does feel like a new era with Josh Heupel. Uh, before they scored the touchdown to Tillman, Hannon Hooker scored, but there was a penalty. And you're thinking, oh, God, this is the here balls right here, right? And then they scored the touchdown. Pitt, it was fourth and ten. We think you got this game, right? And then they convert. Oh, God, this is the balls we know. But then they, they do stop them on another fourth down. So, I don't know. It, to me, it just feels different under Josh Heupel. I, I love the direction of the program. And I think they haven't even scratched the surface of what they can do this season. If, if the offense starts clicking, they're already averaging 44 points per game. I think they can average over 50. And as long as the defense holds their own and, and forces turnovers, can get to the quarterback, I'm not saying they're going to go undefeated, but I think they could beat anybody on their schedule. I legitimately think that as long as they're firing on all cylinders. And, and that makes it a, a hell of a time to be a Tennessee fan. No, yeah, that's kind of crazy you mentioned that, Mike, because we were just talking on the show, like, college football is so wild. Week two, you saw Alabama, Texas, kind of unexpected to open the day. You saw, you know, how Kentucky and Florida kind of matched up. You saw what happened to A&M. You saw, you know, Arkansas and South Carolina kind of getting that fight deep. And then you see what Tennessee has, and you say, wow, this is like the worst game offensively that you'll see under Josh Heupel, but the best game defensively, you know, coached by Tim Banks. And you talk about the averages. Obviously, this next week you got Akron. Then Florida comes into town. And then, you know, looking forward, you know, Bama, LSU, Georgia, you know, two or three years ago, you would have been like marking us off the schedule. Like, there's no chance. There's no way this is going to happen. Now you look at it like, dang, this might actually be a chance that, you know, these teams come into Tennessee and we give them a fight or, hey, we go on the road and beat these teams in their home. And like those wins alone would be huge, not only in recruiting, but just, you know, confidence for this team going forward. If, you know, Tennessee, I don't, you know, say a 12 and 0 is kind of wild, but, you know, a 10 and 2 after these first two games is kind of, you know, really on the table. And, yeah, it's kind of, you know, Vol syndrome to kind of, like, look ahead like that. But, like, I genuinely don't think that with this scheme that we have, teams can really line up. And it's kind of wild. Like, I don't think anyone can defend it how we saw Narduzzi do it this past weekend. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised you didn't say feels like 98 there. I mean, my goodness, we're fired up over here. Uh, you know, I, I think I would love to see Tennessee at the – and this may sound crazy, but bare minimum go to the Sugar Bowl. It's been a so long since they've been to the Sugar Bowl – Going down to New Orleans, I mean, that is such a, a fun time for, for those of you that have been down there. Um, I, and that's I think that's the natural progression. That's where Tennessee should be looking at right now. And if you get any more than that, it's just gravy. Yeah. yeah. Brando, you got it. Go ahead. No, you got it. I was going to point out, like, the bowl projection that came out earlier today, Tennessee, you know, with Baylor or, like, someone else in the Sugar Bowl or the Orange Bowl right now projected according to on three's bowl projections, which is kind of crazy already even though it's week two to look at ball projections, just, you know, to see that in that conversation right now where people think Tennessee is as a program. Yeah. Mike, thanks again. Uh, you know, join us huge honor to have, you know, someone like you come on our show, um, you know, Vols are top 15 for the first time in a couple of years. It feels like it's finally different. Like you mentioned though, it doesn't feel phony kind of like with Bush Jones or Pruitt when we were, you know, in the top 15 for a few weeks, but what are like, the biggest improvements this football 
to take that next step from being respected again on the national map. Uh, you, you were breaking up a little bit there, but I think I got your question. What do they got to do to improve? You know, in the SEC, and this is something we've still not yet seen from Josh Heupel, and this is why I'm so high on Arkansas right now, is when the defense knows you're going to run the ball, that's going to happen in conference play. I, I'm still – I'm a little unsure if Tennessee can get that done. And, and short yardage, goal line, that was a, something that plagued this team last year. And I, I don't think it's the scheme because Ole Miss is getting it done and Arkansas is running the same scheme essentially as Tennessee. It's a little bit very it's, – it's a little uh, slightly different, but very similar in its base. So I, I'm a little concerned that Tennessee, their offensive line, maybe just the personnel. And, again, I'm not saying – against Akron, this is going to be a problem, probably not even against Florida. But when you go up against an Alabama, when you go up against a Georgia, they are going to make you beat them on the ground. And I'm not convinced that Tennessee can do that yet, but it may not matter because they've got one hell of a quarterback and some great receivers, and, and they find ways to engineer some points. But it, it just it's really going to come down to a lot of critical situations, particularly on the goal line short yardage, like I said. And, and that's kind of where Tennessee needs to improve. And thankfully, I think they've got a couple games here that uh, Akron and, and those, you know, a lot of the SEC East teams are, are not in Tennessee's class right now. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Sorry to cut you off, but I don't know if you noticed, but like Jalen Hyatt having a career high receptions, that definitely kind of was a problem, I think, against Pitt, you know, getting that quick pass out to Jalen Hyatt to get three or four or five yards just to kind of reset the passing game, reset the offense. I think that was a thing because, you know, you saw that earlier in the game, Hendon Hooker really couldn't get going on the ground. You saw, you know, with the run game, Jabari Small and then Jalen Wright, both respectfully, you know, the fumble by Jalen Wright and then Jabari really couldn't get anything going. Kind of resorted to that quick outside pass, get a few yards, reset, kind of take a shot downfield. I don't know if that's kind of just, you know, Narduzzi, like, you know, with his knowledge of the offense or just, you know, overall with that pit D line. But I definitely think, you know, it's kind of good that they have that thing in their back pocket. Like if this doesn't work, we can go and do this, which is kind of good to see. But definitely something, you know, got to get fixed before conference play. Yeah, and maybe the the only other thing is the defense. Uh, I, I'm not one of these people that takes away from Tennessee for beating Pitt. I, you know, hell, Pitt was a ranked team. Um, I, I believe Josh Heupel's got more road-ranked wins than Butch, Pruitt, and Dooley combined. So we got to give him his credit. He's doing a hell of a job up there. But I don't know if Pitt is going to be anywhere close to to the dynamic offense that they're going to see when they when they face Georgia. Even when they when they face Florida, uh, you know Kentucky, we got to give them credit. I th I think them beating Florida says more about Kentucky than it does Florida. I, I know a lot of people are out on Florida already, but I think Kentucky's just got such a good front seven that they were able to corral Anthony Richardson, and that that game is probably going to do come down to the very same thing when they host uh, when Tennessee hosts Florida. They got to keep Anthony Richardson in that pocket. Don't let him beat you with your legs because he can do it if you give him just a, just a slight opening. Mike, I wanted to comment on that. It kind of flows right into one of my other questions. You said you were just talking about the Florida game. Say, you know, Tennessee kind of corrects their mistakes this weekend, blows Akron out, kind of like most people are expecting, and then they beat Florida. They roll into a bye week before they travel to LSU. Hypothetically, if that situation happens, where do you see the balls landing in the SEC East? Uh, if they could beat Florida, I think they're going to finish second, which is even better than I thought they would be. Uh, and, and it's that's no shame at this point. I mean, I know you don't want to 
that's not the goal at Tennessee, but my God, Georgia looks so good. Now, maybe we'll find out a little bit more about Georgia this weekend. I think Oregon maybe was a little overrated, but God, they just ran through them like they were just standing there. You know what I mean? So they were just so impressive. Um, but Georgia, believe it or not, and maybe this is a factor of just how how hot Stetson Bennett's been, but they are 10th in the SEC in rushing right now. So this is this is not your normal Georgia offense where they're ground and pound. This is more Stetson leading the way. And I still – you guys will probably all on this show will agree with me. I'm, I'm still not the biggest Stetson Bennett fan. Uh, yeah. If I say that online, oh, my God, I get destroyed. But, the hey, he's got his championship. I, I give him credit. I, I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I don't know if he can play up to this level all season long. So maybe that does give Tennessee – an opportunity, but, but of course that game is uh, in Athens, which just makes it that much more difficult, but Hey, Tennessee's won down there before. Yeah. Tennessee Terry, he points out a really good point about running QBs, you know, Tennessee kind of seen their first running QB this season and Anthony Richardson last year was a big problem. Not only, you know, with running QB, you know, schemes, but really any QB that kind of wanted to have their way on the running ground and, you know, with rushing guards, I think that's a huge, huge key this week, forcing Anthony uh, Richardson or next week. I mean, kind of looking ahead, Forcing, forcing Anthony to kind of like throw, you know, we saw this week what happened with that late pick six in the game against Kentucky. I mean, you can get those one or two turnover plays out of your defense. I think that kind of makes the difference in that game. Just to kind of see, you got to remember Billy Napier, first road game, you know, in Neyland Stadium that's already sold out. You know, I think those mistakes are going to be huge and key in that game. You're definitely not a coach because you're already so looking past Akron. I mean, oh, my yeah. God, if if Hyper was on this call, he would be he'd so be offended sick. right now. <laughs> Man, once I saw that we're 50-point, you know, favorites and that their starting QB is now out for, like, the foreseeable future, I just, you know, told the chat to hammer the over, even though it's 50 points, man. It's just seeing what Tuck did this past <laughs> week was just crazy. I went back and watched the film. You know, that's probably my most coach-like trait. Watch the film. And this team just, you know, I pray for him, man. It's just going to be a good Saturday. So, I mean, it's the yeah. same team as St. Francis. So, yeah, I, I think we're going to be able to cover the spread for sure. But, yeah, <laughs> go back to the Florida game, though. I think a lot of us, you know, there's been hype building up about this game for months. But I think we're all genuinely starting to believe this is going to be one of the wildest fears Newlands had in quite a long time, maybe almost two decades. How crazy of an atmosphere you expect to be on Rocky Top, and what does it say for Josh Heupel and this program if we can finally beat Florida and in September for four and a record? I mean, yeah, I mean it's going to be awesome. I, I think it's going to be a checkerboard kneeling. I, I don't think it'll touch Ole Miss though. I was, I was there last year for Ole Miss, and just just because that was a night game and Lane Kiffin returned. I mean, we all we all know what happened there at the end. But but moving us aside from that, I mean, my God. Was it electric in that stadium? Uh, I, I don't know if it'll touch that, to be honest with you. I was actually, you know, I, I've been moving all around the country, so I, I've not been to many Tennessee games, but the, the games I've been to most recently, Ole Miss last year and then Oklahoma a couple years ago when they played Baker Mayfield. So I've been in some good ones. Um, I, I may have to come down for that Florida game because it it could be on that level. Um yeah, it's, it's going to be one hell of a game, and I would imagine it's, it's going to be the biggest recruiting weekend of the season for Tennessee. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be out of control. Um, yeah, that Ole Miss game, you just talked about it. I fractured my collarbone that day. <laughs> so it was quite well. <laughs> At the game? Uh, tailgating, yeah. Oh, I nice. That, 
No worries about that. I still I think this this Florida game is going to be huge because everyone was so worried about Pitt, right? Everyone really wanted to try and get past Pitt because that was what was selling them on this team. Beating Pitt and essentially, we haven't done it yet, but rolling in 3-0 and against Florida, I think Knoxville is going to be absolutely out of control. I mean, there's so many events going on. There's so many former players coming. I'm going to help host an event um, for Juice Davis at Maple Hall the Friday night before, and there's like eight former players that are coming to the game, like at least. It's just going to be an awesome time in Knoxville. Yeah, and credit Danny White, man. He is he is really you know on the pulse of the fan base, and he knows how to hype up these games, these situations. We've seen it in other sports. Uh, he's he's certainly done it with Tennessee football with the improvements they've made in a short his short time on Rocky Top. So, yeah, I would anticipate, uh, you know, one of the best atmospheres, not only uh, in the SEC, but the country upcoming. It, of course, they got to beat Akron. <laughs> I got to laugh when I say that, but they got to get through Akron first. Hell, A&M taught us don't look, overlook anybody. You know what? Great. Yeah. <laughs> Man, App State, though, like I would be – if I'm an SEC team, I'm just not scheduling App State for the foreseeable future because what they got going on, like even in the past where that program has been at, and then this week what they saw, what they did to A&M, was just, you know, crazy to see down the wire with the rest of the games going on in the nation. Obviously, this week we got Akron. Can't overlook them. But, you know, with the, the state of Akron's program and where they're kind of at with their quarterback and their offense and, you know, seeing what happened last week, you know, coming into play, respectfully, Big Ten is a good program, big conference playing an SEC program that's hot on the trail, hungry for more, even though they're ranked number 15, and then looking forward to next week. Obviously, a lot that these teams want to get done. And I know a lot of guys on this roster want to come out here and get these things corrected because they take this Florida game kind of personal. So definitely a game that you can't look past. I think Hype was going to have them ready to go. But I definitely think that it's going to get over that 50-point spread, man. I just, I'm just i confident on it for some reason. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'm, a friend of mine, he coaches the other team, Joe Moorhead. Really nice guy. He was at Mississippi State. He's actually 0-1 in Neyland Stadium. He took – I think I think that was the Brian Maurer game where he landed on his head, unfortunately. Yeah. But, man, what an ugly, ugly game that was. And it, it's probably going to be just as ugly for Akron. And uh, a complete 180. They, I, sh- I shouldn't even mention the Pruitt era. Because, uh, hey, we're on a bigger and better on Rocky Top. And – yeah, if they have a huge performance, I mean, there's a real opportunity if there's an upset or two in college football that uh, Tennessee maybe even in the top ten when Florida rolls around. No, for sure. And I just want to get your comment on the one thing. If you saw Joe Moorhead, his press conference, the one reporter kind of asked him how Tennessee would bounce back after their loss to Pitt. You know, if you're a reporter, you know, you a guy that reports, you know, SEC news and media. If you're a reporter and you go, you go into a press conference and make that kind of statement, what are you doing the next day or the next ten seconds after that? Uh, prop, resigning from your job because journalism is dead. There's a reason I got out of it. I just do podcasting now. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was just a complete joke, but I don't know who that was. I, I don't mean to offend him, but uh, clearly not not on top of his game. God, just, I mean, how do you not look it up, like, literally before the press conference starts, just to make sure that you think, like, you're right on, like, that <laughs> just completely unbelievable, but – uh, to transition a little bit more of the conference talk, though, uh, SEC, Mike, I kind of want to get your thoughts on, you know, as crazy as last weekend was, what was a little bit more of a shocker to you on Alabama having to go down to the very last second to beat a 
very mediocre, in my opinion, Texas team, or and completely blown at home against Appalachian State. I think Texas competing with Alabama to me. I I went on fine mom. I said Alabama would win by forty five points, and, and I I thought that would be the case. I mean, I'm right there with you. I don't believe in Steve Sarkeesian. Um, I, I've never believed that to be that great of a home field advantage, but it looked incredible. And, and maybe I've been trying not to hype up Alabama as, as this world beater like everybody else. Uh, maybe that just is a signal that Alabama's kind of coming back down to the pack. And they've got some tough games upcoming. If, if Texas rattled them at noon, they got to play Arkansas on the road, Tennessee on the road, LSU. That may not be tough, but LSU is a tough place to play. Ole Miss, which Lane Kiffin has had Saban's number in, in the past. So I think there's a real opportunity that Alabama loses one of those football games, if not two. If, if they play like they did on Saturday, they're going to lose a couple games this year. For sure. Definitely. I mean, we were talking about before you came on, I I thought that Kentucky and Florida both looked and played better than Alabama did in that Texas game. And if they have another game like that, my God, I mean, I can't imagine what would happen to them. Yeah, basically all that saved them was uh, some controversial calls. I've never seen Alabama get the, the treatment on the road with the, with the referees. Uh, that and Bryce Young, I mean, he made some spectacular plays, but there was some blatant holding on some of those plays too. So that was pretty wild. But yeah, if not for Bryce Young, I mean, that would not even been a ball game. If not for Texas quarterback getting hurt, they'd probably run away with that game. So, Hey, hopefully for Tennessee fans, Alabama, maybe they've just taken a significant step back. Yeah. Also worth noting though, in that Texas game, they didn't, they did not have any risky or ballsy play calls. They went for field goals instead of touchdowns in the red zone. I think they made it in five times and it's like you are not gonna beat Nick Saban like that so that's also right. yeah and I, I'm no fan of Hugh Freeze <laughs> but I've, I've been an enemy of his for a long time but I got to give him credit when he faced Nick Saban in Alabama that's how he played the game you, you go for it you got to be aggressive you just like you said you can't settle for field goals against Alabama I mean you go for the throat when you have that opportunity because you don't get it that often and again, that goes back to what we I was said about Steve Sarkeesian, not a big believer in in what what he's doing. I don't I don't even know if he's going to be Texas coach by the time they make it into the SEC because I think he's that bad of a coach. Absolutely, Drew, you got some? No, I mean it's hard to disagree with that. I mean, you know, definitely like play calling, making you know, on a sober side. Sure, I mean you can't really say that he had that bad. See, but. I, he's definitely not a coach. I feel like by any stretch, though, that he's the long-term solution. I feel like Texas is just like a lot of those other Power Five, you know, big-time program jobs. Is that there's way more problems over there than just a football coach, hire hall, and change in the system that they have to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, as of right now, though, I mean, what would your? I know you kind of hinted a little bit. Saint Tennessee could potentially be even defeated. I want your realistic expectation, final prediction on what you think the Vols will be at the end of the season and what ball game you think they'll wind up being. Mm. Um, I would say probably, man, a lot of it obviously hinges on the Florida game, but I would probably say 10 and 2 because I still don't think, you know, I, I respect Kentucky. I've, I've made an enemy of them this offseason too. I, I predicted them to go fifth in the East. Uh, hell, that could still happen. They got a they got a lot of tough games still going. But the only two teams I would I would think Tennessee is going to lose to is Alabama and Georgia. 
And again, if they play mistake-free football, if they can force turnovers, if the offense is clicking, I think they can potentially even beat them on any given Saturday. So I'll, I'd lean 10 and two right now and uh, a trip to the Sugar Bowl. God, that just sounds so exciting to me. I know we're early and I know it's early, but damn, I would max out the credit card to go that. <laughs> um, my, I guess we're, yeah, we're kind of rolling up on time. Um, what do you think about like the best receiving core in the SEC? Again, I know it's early. And what are some of your top names to look out for, you know, across the SEC in terms of who might be the best receiver? at the end of this whole thing. Mm. Well, for me right now, a team no one's paying attention to, it doesn't seem like Mississippi State, they don't have a, a receiver as good as Cedric Tillman, no doubt. But I think Tennessee right now, I, I don't even have confidence telling you who their fourth receiver is. Where at Mississippi State, I think they go seven or eight deep. And they don't, again, they don't have an All-American among that seven or eight. They, they may not even have a first-team All-SEC candidate, but they have a number of different players that do a number of different things, and, and we all know Mike Leach throws the damn ball about 75 times a game, so their numbers are inflated, but you know that is, is probably my top group overall. Uh, number one receiver, though, I, I think I would have to lean Cedric Tillman right now. I mean, Alabama doesn't have anyone that scares you. A.D. Mitchell at Georgia is really good. He's banged up. Uh, Kayshawn Butte at LSU, that would have been my number. That, that, he would have been my answer preseason, but LSU passing game is, is god-awful, and, and he seems totally disengaged. I think he's he's got his eyes already on the NFL because he'll, he'll probably be a top 10, top 15 pick, but I think that's going to be based more on his potential than his overall talent. Uh, A&M, one of the few things they do got going for him is Anaya Smith, receiver slash running back. He was the guy that got arrested. He was supposed to be at media days. He got arrested the night before, so he didn't get to go. So I don't know uh, if I can put him as my top receiver, given uh, given the lack of leadership, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, I think Cedric Tillman right now, I'm pretty confident saying I don't know if there's a, a defensive back in the SEC that can guard him one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, again, we're only in week two, but he's averaging – 15.3 yards per catch. So that's pretty solid. And that's what yeah. the future drops too. I think yeah. that'll even go up once, you know, Tennessee, I know Brew McCoy, he hit, they, they connected on that one deep ball, but they have still not, they've not been hitting on these deep shots. Once they start hitting on the deep shots, I think that that average is going to skyrocket. Definitely. Yeah, no doubt. Brandon, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think that's something that'll probably, uh, probably come later in the year. You know, you saw like, uh, Missouri, South Carolina, that's kind of when it first started, like the third or fourth SEC game in play. You kind of saw them kind of break it out. I still believe through the first two weeks that we haven't seen the full second-year installment of uh, Josh Heupel's offense. I just think that all the hype over the offseason and all the talks and the press conferences of what's going to be and what he can dish out, I just, you know, I'm not going to not believe that. I think it's definitely on the table and just, you know, kind of waiting to break, you know, break it out. Um, obviously, the emergency running back plan and everything else, um, I want to point at the wide receiver talk. I love the, you know, the Mississippi State shout out to the Pirate, Mike Leach. Um, I saw you have him in their top five of your power rankings. You know, I know a lot of that's from their air raid offense. It's kind of crazy. Even though it was Arizona kind of, you know, staying up for that game and kind of just seeing them pass, you know, freely on them. It's crazy what Rodgers is out there doing as a quarterback. I definitely think he's a top three or four quarterback in the SEC. 
Uh, just crazy to see what they're kind of out there doing. Like you mentioned, though, Kayshawn Butte, kind of feel bad for him. I don't know if it's, you know, Jaden Daniels and, you know, the new offense or, you know, changing quarterbacks kind of late or just, you know, the offense under Brian Kelly. But it's kind of crazy after all the transfer portal rumors he had. And then, you know, Texas A&M, you know, it's kind of crazy on their offense. You know, I feel like they have all the weapons, you know, the classes, they should be there. But you saw what happened this week against App State. It just wasn't there. And now you're seeing the uh, the clips on social media of their commits going around in cars and stuff. It's just not looking good for a <laughs> And, you know, going out there and, you know, speeding in a freaking uh, parking lot and a whole lot, a garage lot, you know, on top of what your program is already doing. It's just, you know, it's wild, man. It's kind of crazy to point around Cedric Tillman and Tennessee as a whole and be like, wow, like there's no bombshells out there right now. Yeah. Well, I try not to give anyone too hard a time for doing anything stupid because uh, particularly when they were in college, because my God, uh, I did some crazy foolish stuff when I was at Tennessee. But yeah, I definitely never went through a parking lot quite like that. But hell, if I had that car, I probably would have to be honest with you. And G10, <laughs> you're going to go swerving in G10 like that? <laughs> if if I had the car after a couple of drinks, I probably would have. I don't recommend it, but I'm, I'm saying I probably would have. I was that stupid. That's respectful. Understandable. Uh, Drew, do you have any other questions for him? Uh, I don't really. Actually, one question I do have. What do you think is more of a bigger dumpster fire right now in the SEC West, LSU or Auburn? I mean, because you already got media reporters at LSU saying, you know, if they'd win games that they would show up on time. And then, you know, you got the whole offseason saga with Auburn. And, you know, somehow they're even, you know, under you know underdogs going in face this weekend and a lot of people are already out in Brian Carson so who do you think is the biggest fire in the West? Yeah I think the real problem is at Auburn and it's the boosters and you know they were out on Brian Hart they didn't want Brian Harson from the get-go they wanted Kevin Steele and that there's just been a huge wedge in that program since that time and once he faltered a little I mean people seem to have forgotten this but going into November of last year Auburn was in control of the, their own destiny to win the West. And they were up 28 to three on Mississippi State. It was looking great. And then they gave up a huge, huge, they gave up that 28 to three lead and they lost every damn game the rest of the way. They nearly won the Iron Bowl. And in no sense could you say Auburn was nearly as good as Alabama yet. You know, so, so Brian Harson is a pretty good coach, but I hear he's a, he's a real asshole. Nobody likes working for him. So that's not helping him. And, you know, with these boosters out on them, I mean, any little thing they're going to use to get them out. And it, I'm sure you guys have all seen the allegations of a, of some misconduct there and cheating on his wife, which I have heard is, is not true at all. And if it was, they would have fired his ass for cause immediately. So I feel bad for him that that all got out. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a dumpster fire there. And if they lose to Auburn, I think there's a real good chance they turn around and lose to Missouri if you think it's bad now on the Plains, wait till they lose to Missouri. Uh, he, he may not survive uh, after that. Oh, no. No way. I agree. I just think it's kind of crazy, like, the whole offseason kind of had. Like, you know, the admin saying they would fire him. Like, let's be honest, not for that reason, but they tried everything they kind of could this past offseason to kind of get him gone and get him out the door in a week or year or two, which is kind of wild to see the whole, you know, thing and, like, the – the innocent recruiting, you know, department woman who just, you know, kind of came into fire with everything. Like she became a national football meme, which is kind of crazy to see. I definitely agree that it's definitely Auburn. Um, even though Brian Kelly, 
he's going to have a hard time understanding the people of Baton Rouge and, you know, what to say and not to say that first comment, you know, about, you know, you know, being late. That's just dumb, man. Knowing the people of Baton Rouge were what they do in the Bayou. But I definitely think that Brian Kelly is going to have a, a brighter future down in Baton Rouge. But at Auburn, man, it's just, you know, after the whole Gus bus thing, I don't know if, you know, it was kind of questionable there. Now, you know, here, I definitely agree that it's like, you know, one or two, you know, major losses away from, you know, it getting hot. Let's not forget that, you know, the rumors of Brian Harson putting his name out there for, you know, West Coast jobs in Oregon and, you know, other jobs like that. Like, that was legit uh, rumors out there. So I just definitely think it has to be Auburn. But that's a great question. And I think he may he, I think he'd take the Nebraska job if they offered it to him in a minute. So that's that could be something to watch too. I, I don't know how fired up Nebraska would be for Brian Harson, but I, I would imagine he's going to float well, that uh, to his agent. Their message boards are already sick because the fact that Urban Meyer is in town, not knowing that he works for Fox <laughs> Sports and that he has to do a job to, for Fox Sports. So they're fully convinced that their next coach right now is Urban Meyer on the message boards. But little do they know that he's just trying to do his job. I've seen a couple well, the of new, John Green as well. So The new NCAA video games coming out. So Urban Meyer could be their coach uh, in some capacity once at least the video game's out because it ain't happening in real life. <laughs> Does anyone, uh, Brando, Jerry, do y'all have any more questions for him? No, just a statement, man. Appreciate you for joining us. Obviously, yeah. um, the Vols homer talk, huge W. I think we all have a, like, you know, a bright future for the Vols. You know, even though with the orange glasses off, like you can take the glasses off and see the future is kind of bright. Just having that scheme, the staff, the people that are buying in, it's just all pointing to good signs. And then everything else around the SEC might kind of point to the idea that everything out there, every game is winnable right now. The conference kind of like in shambles of its identity of who's kind of running things besides Georgia. And just, you know, to see later in the year of how this thing unfolds, obviously week two, it's crazy to talk now, but I seriously think we have a legit shot of having one of the best years in this program. So, Mike, appreciate you joining us, man. A huge guest. Uh, probably one of our best episodes yet, in my opinion. Just, you know, can't thank you enough. Huge of you, so. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Drew? Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks again. Hopefully we'll be able to have you come on here soon, so. All right, take care. Take care. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. What a Guys, w. what a freaking awesome show. I can't believe we got him on here. Oh, yeah. Big dub. Big dub. Out to SEC Mike. Definitely, uh, definitely one of the best Twitter accounts to follow. Not just for the Vols, but just college football in general. Dude knows what's up, especially knows when he comes down. You know, he's the real deal. So, yeah. that's big for the brand. Stone Cold um, tweeted during the show. He tweeted at us. Now that, you know, SEC Mike has gave us prediction, is he in for the punishment too now? <laughs> that would be hilarious. I would love if we all avoided punishment and Mike got it. But then again, me and Lowe predicted a 10-2 season as well. So, I think we'd all kind of be riding the L together. Uh, me personally – on that note, now that we all have the same prediction, I'm going to say no, just for you know me and Lo's sake, respectful. Wait, I thought I went. I thought I went nine and three. I thought uh, nine and three as well. Like I don't. I, think I did. Juice. I Juice went ten and two. Oh man, me and Juice off those wings is what did it. I think we both you know thought nine and three, but he just went off ten and two off those hot wings. But I think the, I don't know if it was necessarily the wings. I think it was more or less the the Tito's. Played. <laughs> on that prediction so you're good for you scotch or whatever it was for juice he likes that whiskey yeah i guess 
the last thing we got to cover is like Akron week. I know it's, you know, the shortest week, you know, we're not looking forward to it, but I guess this week, you know, three days away, Saturday night, 7 p.m., going to be in the building in Neyland. Sounds like Danny White. I don't know if he's, you know, trolling, trying to get more tickets sold or that it's going to be a sellout game, 100,000 plus. But I mean, like a thousand tickets away from a sellout against Akron. Yeah, it looks I mean, like it looks like it's sold out. When I looked like today, just out of curiosity, I mean, upper deck is seventy bucks a piece now. Yeah, so, lower deck is like one fifty, which, which is crazy. Which isn't set, but you know the line did move down to forty-seven and a half. I one thousand. I put money on that. That Vols are guaranteed to win by seven touchdowns. Fifty would have been one thing, but forty-seven. Let's go. They're definitely. I got the balls winning 56 to 3 on Saturday. So, oh, I, I forgot to even make a score prediction. Um, I'm sure it's going to be in the 50s, I would assume. So, I'm just going to copy Drew's. Okay. I'll, I'll say we said it all along, but you know, you go out there and you win a big game, people are going to show up. So, if there's really 100,000 people there, you got to give credit to what we went out there and did week two on the road, got that W. Um, obviously, you have to give a sign to believe. And it's the first sign of life, major life on a road win since 2003 for the program. Um, huge if you can go and do that in someone else's house, coming back to Neyland, and then you got, you know, two or three weeks in Neyland before you go down to Baton Rouge. Absolutely crazy hype. Um, you know, it's going to be a madhouse for Akron, maybe for the first half, because we're going to put up a lot of freaking points on this team. Um, without their starting quarterback, Michigan State did them dirty. I just don't think they're going to get any movement on the field. I definitely think it's good for our defense and for our running game. Um, Hendo Cinco protect himself. Let Jabari and Jalen go out there and do uh, tote the rock. Maybe a few passes to Tillman, Hyatt, Merrill. Get the young receivers involved. I want to see Taven Jackson. Um, I definitely think we cover the 49 or 48-point spread. I'm going to take Vols uh, 62 to 7. I'd like to get back in the 60s. That'd be yeah. awesome. Hey, does that mean we're missing an extra point somewhere there? I mean, not that it would surprise but – is that what you're predicting, Brando? That we're going to miss a extra point and they're going to score a touchdown on us? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I just think that by the time that like we're you know ready to go home in the fourth quarter, that the people that are playing for our defense just you know might be guys that are still paying for school respectfully. But at the same time, I just think you know after last week, I just think that you know even though it might be 62, there might be a couple field goals in there somewhere where we feel kind of you know respectful or whatever. But I think there's going to be a lot of defensive touchdowns, a lot of defensive turnovers, and a lot of involvement that sets up the offense. And there might be, you know, moments where Chase McGrath comes out there and gets, you know, nine points to make it an odd number. I'm not saying we're going to miss an extra point because what we saw from Chase, man, that's the MVP for my game for Pitt. That man hit a 51-yarder, all the confidence in the world, and won us that football game. So that's my guy. Fun. I mean, looking back, that was a very clutch uh, clutch field goal he had. Because he was yeah. literally the only points we had in the second half, and, you know, we would have lost that game because of uh, a particular individual can man. So, all right, guys. Um, we're never calling. Wait, Drew. Yeah. What do you do for the week if that man that we don't speak on costs the game? What do you do? Wait, what? If say we don't like, we're gonna win. We're gonna beat Florida. And I know you're kind of getting to that, you know, set now on the show that we're gonna beat Florida after all off season. But right. what if the one man that we don't speak of costs the game? Pitchfork, either Clinton Highway Walmart or Chapman Highway Walmart, or at the Rock, and a very explicit and disgusting message on voluntary reaction. That will happen. 
Well, if that is, I'll be there right next to you. I got approved off the whole weekend, so I know we'll be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Full balls, ATB effect. Um, obviously, it's wild to look, look away and look ahead, like Mike said. But we're gonna whip Akron's ass, and then we're gonna, you know, have a full sell out, sold out kneeling, and probably whip Florida's ass. So, all the hype in the world. Can't wait for next Wednesday to break down Florida Hate Week. Drew's gonna, be, you know, be full ball. It's gonna be great. Full ATB show coming up. Alex is not here being a doctor, but man, yeah. the future. I, I'm trying to not go full orange glasses, but it's so nice to be like Tennessee football right now. I just love it. No, I mean, this, it's a great time to be a ball. Really unfortunate time to be Alex because this is the second big guest that we have now where he has not been able to attend. He wasn't able to join us with Trey Wallace a couple weeks ago. This time, legendary Mike. So hopefully he can rebound from that L. Uh, you know, we're hoping that he gets his education. I mean, you know, education first. So, you know, but. Uh, yeah, guys, next Saturday, huge, huge weekend. I'm beyond fired up. Unfortunately, I found out one of my best buddies from London that's coming in for the game thought it would be a good idea to paint himself all orange. So, oh, dear God. Yeah, yeah. I talked him out of it, but he doesn't know how thing works over here. Back in the Yo, well, you're going to have to meet CG with a friend that's in all orange, imagine. I'm, like, you're not going to embarrass me like that, but uh, he's, he's going to do it. That is so funny. So if you see some weird British man with a very ridiculous English accent and it all orange, yeah, he is with me. Yeah. So. Oh my God. I love it. Well, let us not forget. We got to thank Skybox, our sponsor. So tonight's a night or this weekend is a night game. Not till 7 PM. Go down to Skybox sports bar and grill. 415 South Gay Street. Grab some beers, watch the other games. Um, Maybe see some of us there, and yeah, and uh, gonna be a good time. I'm I'm excited. I can't believe this many people are going to this game this Saturday. I love it here. It is just so fantastic to have all of this excitement. I've been excited all week. I'm like, holy shit! I don't care who we're playing. I'm in Neyland at night. It's gonna be nice. awesome. 50th anniversary, by the way, too. So yeah, I love it. You and I'll be there. Let's have fun. All right. Well. That does it for us. Awesome show tonight. And till next time, good night. Go balls. Go balls, baby.